We've been journeying through uh, the question of what is the gospel over the last four or five weeks. And I said this in week two, but I think it is such an important question to answer. What is the gospel? Some of you may have it figured out, and that's cool. But I think that there's something about our human nature that seems to draw us towards what we can do in our own strength. And there's something about our human nature that is so opposite to grace and the nature of God. So even as seasoned Christians, sometimes we need reminding of what is the gospel. I'm going to attempt to finish off this whole collection of talks, wrap up the last three messages, um, put something on the end, call it a message and take up 20 minutes of your time. Is that cool? Everyone thought I was honest. Yeah, I was just kidding. But that's all good. Um, no, I believe that we are meant to be here this morning. I believe um, that if we would open up our hearts, that God wants to speak to us this morning. And not because I've prepared something special, not because the music team have practiced, but because I believe and we believe here at Eastlake that God uses broken people, not perfect people. And if you are new here, my name is Josh and I'm the pastor here at Eastlake. If you're not new here, my name's still Josh. And I'm still, the, oh, I love these dad jokes, all the opportunities. Anyway, God uses broken people, not perfect people. And I'm certainly not perfect, amen? Amen. Mum said amen. Lee said amen. If anything is perfect, this is the perfect Sunday for you, especially if you're new here because we're tackling this topic of what is the gospel, which basically means what is the good news. So you've walked in right at the moment of the foundations of our faith. You haven't walked into a topic about sex or money or the Trinity, but the basics. What is the gospel? The why behind our what? So on that note, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, I believe that you have something for each and every one of us. Something you want to say. Something you want to highlight. Maybe it's a gift in our life that you want to say, that was from me. Maybe it's a purpose or a calling that you want to bring to the forefront of our mind this morning. But Lord, I pray that it is your love that would transcend all things this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Maccas? We've got it. Thank you, Sharon. Oh, these are the coffees. Coffee, tea. Has the Maccas arrived yet? Must be a little bit delayed. It's all good. Do you want to have a sip and tell me how it is? Good. Michael's giving the thumbs up for his normal coffee. In week one of this collection of talks of what is the gospel, Dad brought a message the starting foundation message, and you brought six easy points of how to communicate the gospel. And the first was that the gospel is a plan for eternity. The gospel is more than just our life here on earth. And the second was that the gospel is an event in history. Jesus died and rose again. The third point was that the gospel is an achievement. By Jesus dying and rising again on the third day, he made a way for us to reconnect with God. And the fourth point was that the gospel is extended free through faith. It's a gift, not a prize that we win. 
And the fifth was that the gospel is to be an application. As much as the gospel is a plan for eternity, the gospel also matters to our here and now. And the sixth point was that the gospel is all about God. More than it's about me, more than it's about you, the gospel is about God, our Father in heaven. Then in week two, we looked at the two judgments in the Bible. We talked about the moment in time that we appear before God. And the book of Revelation tells us, can we turn the air cons off? Awesome. Sorry. The book of Revelation tells us that there are books at this moment in time that we appear before God. Everyone say books. Books, books plural. And the Bible tells us that in these books is everything that we did, good and bad. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that's a problem. At least it is for me. But in this point in time, the great white throne judgment, they call it, in the book of Revelation, there's also another book, singular. Everyone say book. 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 Books and a book. And the good news is that is our life is no longer judged when we choose to believe in Jesus by the books, but by the book. Not by what we have done, but by what Jesus did on the cross. And if we were to put it into a question, we were basically saying, God is asking us this question. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And the answer was that I gave my life to him. Not that I sang songs, not that I came along to church in East Lake, the best church on Lakes Road. Not that we did reasonably good things. The other churches are great. But that we gave our life to him. And then there was the second judgment, which was once we had entered eternity. And the question here was, what did you do with what I gave you? And the answer was, I made a difference in eternity. And we talked about three ways that we can make a difference in eternity. We can make a difference in eternity with our resources, make a difference in eternity with our time, and make a difference in eternity by sharing Christ. As Jesus followers, there is an expectation that we would leverage what we have been given for eternity. Enjoy it, yes, but leverage it for eternity. And finally, last week, mum asked the question, what is the point? A subject we were all asking during that starting game. What is the point? When we miss the point, we can end up somewhere that we never intended to be. So what was Jesus' point? What was the point of the gospel? Is it a message of good works, about doing the right things to measure up? Is it a message about huddling together and protecting the truth? Is it a message simply about a good man standing up, standing up against evil? What is the point? Well, the point of the gospel, as mum so beautifully illustrated with the story of Matthew, the tax collector, was grace. Grace upon grace. God's unmerited favor towards us. Jesus, as he walked the earth, personified grace. And so as we see Jesus see Matthew, the tax collector, not as the scum as his community referred to him as, but as called, as worthy, and as forgiven, we can't help but see others through that same lens 
of grace. The point of the gospel was grace. The point of the gospel was not judgment, but to save. Last week, I traveled to Melbourne for a conference uh, with about 20 other pastors from our movement. And I say a conference because that's what Lee calls it. She says, work. <laughs> was not my fault that, you know, we happened to be staying at a golf course. It wasn't my fault that our amazing host just happened to take us to all the nicest places for dinner. And I took photos and sent them to Lee. And it wasn't my fault that it all just happened to be in the beautiful Yarra Valley in Melbourne. Anyway, on my flight back from the conference, it was uh, economy, not business. It didn't just happen to be business. <laughs> I was seated next to a guy called Jay, and what unfolded next was one of the most amazing, seemingly random moments or encounters, seemingly random, that I'd ever had. I've been making it a habit of mine at the very least to uh, introduce myself and shake hands with the person that I'm sitting next to on the train or in the waiting room or in this case on the plane because I have faith just like this morning and our theme for the year is this is big. That if we apply faith to every opportunity and circumstance that God can use that, God can grow that and from a simple handshake, God could make it something as big as a two-hour conversation about Christianity like he did this one. And it started the way all my encounters do. We covered this a couple of weeks ago. That question where as a pastor I have to decide whether I'm going to lie or not. Does everyone remember what it was? What do you do for work? <laughs> and by God's grace, oh, here's the Maccas. Bring it on through, guys. Oh, look at that. Towel on the arm. Give Seth and Lindley a hand. Happy Father's Day, fellas. Awesome, awesome. Where was I? That was very distracting. I said, I'm a pastor. To which he responded with one of the top three things on my list of things people say when I tell them my occupation. He went, what? Like a priest, as he gestured to the white thing that I was clearly missing today and on the plane. And he explained that he grew up Catholic and went to a Catholic school. And we started... Light and easy with questions like, why is there suffering in the world? I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and we don't have two hours to walk through that, but what I do hope that I can walk you through is a bit of a map, a basic map for when you have this conversation this week, amen? It's subject that can be learnt, and it's not subject that I've just developed on my own, but it's subject more I've learnt from a book called Unsilenced, How to Voice the Gospel. But I want to be very clear before I start that I don't think we should be walking around everywhere going, hey, do you know where you're going when you die? That would be a little bit weird. And we're not weird here at Eastlake. I like to think that we're naturally supernatural because that's how I see Jesus walk throughout the Bible. At the same time, though, if we are doing the right thing and placing ourselves in the right places, then at some point... Someone's going to ask us that question, why? And at that point, when someone's asking us the question, why, I want us all to be equipped here at Eastlake to be able to answer that question. My basic concept of evangelism is love, 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 and keep on loving until they ask the question, why? 
So you know how it works? All right, let's break the rules because sometimes God creates opportunities for us that are only from him. And it's not at that point when someone asks the question why that you go, hey, 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 I haven't done the love, 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 love bit yet, right? No, when the question arises, when we have the opportunity to share about our faith, we should jump on it. So if you're just checking out things this morning, if you are new here and you're not sure what this whole Jesus or church thing is about, I invite you to picture yourself seated beside, sat beside me on the, seated, thanks mum, beside me on the plane. If you need help picturing where it is, it'll be the window seat because I always insist on sitting in the aisle seat. And my hope is that we can build our faith together. And if you're a seasoned Christian this morning, my hope is that maybe this could be the template for you to learn how to share your faith. So as I sat next to Jay and he asked me, a question. <laughs> Pretend it never happened. Why being a Christian really mattered? It's a good question. Why does being a Christian really matter? And I asked where he thought, like, what happens in the afterlife? It's a term that the world would use. We go, afterlife, ooh, it's a bit magical. But it's common to people out there in the community. I said, what do you think happens when we die? And Jay responded pretty quickly, shutting me down by saying, I've never thought about it. It's like when you try to tell a knock-knock joke and the person goes, come in. (laughs) Ruined it. I pressed a little bit further and I suggested that... (laughs) I didn't say that to him. I pressed a little bit further and I suggested that most people think that we go somewhere after we die, that it's more than just curtain-closed game over. And Jay agreed that we probably go somewhere. So I asked him the next question of, do we all go to the same place? Jay was quick on this one, and he said, I don't think that would be very fair. I agreed and went on. And I said, if we all go somewhere after we die, and if it's not the same place, let's call it a good place and a bad place, heaven or hell, then who decides? Jay knew kind of where I was going, so he gave me the answer I was looking for. He said, probably a God. I agreed and went on. How does he decide though, Jay? Was the next question. And Jay was stumped at this one. He said, well, it's probably a matter of how much good they do and how much bad they do. I kind of interjected and were like, that would get pretty grey. Like, who defines that goodness? Who defines how much? All of that sort of stuff. So we agreed to make it a guilty and not guilty verdict, how our justice system would work. But how does God decide? I said, well, Jay, you grew up Catholic, so you're probably familiar with the Ten Commandments. He nodded, and I said, so do not steal, do not lie, Do not dishonor your mother and your father. And I put my hand up on the plane and went, I'm in trouble. And he went, me too. (laughs) So how does anyone get into heaven? That was my next question. How does anyone get into heaven then? If the standard is somewhat so high, we are all flawed as humans, then how does anyone get to heaven? Enter the gospel. I literally said, enter Jesus, the saviour of the world. 
God sent his son Jesus into the world to live a blameless life and die on a cross for our sins. We could never on our own be judged not guilty. But God loved us so much that he made a way. It wasn't easy, but Jesus defeated death so that we could live in eternity. That's why Christianity matters to me, Jay. That's why it matters to me. And I didn't pray a prayer with him or lead him to Christ in that conversation, but the conversation continued to unfold, but that's a story for another day. It was quite unbelievable. But he did finish with two statements. And the first statement was, if I told my boss sitting over there that I was talking to someone on a plane, let alone a priest, (laughs) he would laugh me down. I never talk to anyone on the plane. And in that moment, I knew that God was with us. And the second thing he said was, you know what? I'd never say never to going back to church. And on the inside, I was going, come on. We have this opportunity to be hope traffickers. We are hope traffickers at Eastlake Church, and we are on mission all the time. What happens when you die? Do we all go to the same place? Who decides and how do they decide? Four simple questions. I've simplified a fair bit from that book. But maybe that is the template for you to share the why behind your what. I don't tell you to toot my own horn. I tell you so that you would have the faith that this is big. The faith that every opportunity, every circumstance, with God, he promises that he is with us. Colossians 1.17 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I saw this quote the other day that says, when someone predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, we should probably do whatever that person says. (laughs) So if the questions don't work, that's my backup. When someone predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, I'm going to do what they said. (laughs) So how do we round off this whole series of what is the gospel? If you haven't worked out, that was just the introduction. We're now into the message. Well, aptly timed on Father's Day, I want you to know the answer of the question, what is the gospel? What is the good news? It's a story of a father and his children. A story of a father and his children. It begins in perfect love and it ends that way too. It began when God created us in his image. He created us with free will, his children, with choice. And if he didn't do that, then it wouldn't be perfect love. If we didn't have to choose to love God, it isn't really love. The problem, I guess, is we aren't God. Sorry to break it to you, fellas in the couches. We aren't God. And so our decision-making, our thinking, the way we see things is flawed. And inevitably, sin entered the world with Adam and Eve, and we became separated from God. The Father, though, the Father relentlessly pursued His children, continued to invest in us, to promise us, and remain faithful to us. And then in the greatest act of love, He gave His Son for us. 
by Jesus paying for our sins, it made a way for us to reconnect with God. And no longer are we humans with the power of choice, but humans, like Colossians 1.17 says, with Christ in us. Humans with the power of Christ in us, who gives us the power to choose differently, who gives us the power to think differently and see things differently through the lens of grace. Throughout all time, the Father has been doing two things in perfect love, investing in his children and inviting them into relationship with him. Investing and inviting. And I want to read a chapter from 1 John, 1 John 3. And I'd like you in this time just to kind of reflect and let this chapter read you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. Wow. And you know that no murder, murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. I wonder if you read that like I did. Wow, that's powerful, but also kind of harsh, John. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Life without God doesn't end well. But don't be discouraged. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, if your heart as you read that chapter was like, oh man, if you've ever sinned, you've never known him, and your heart begins to go, oh, maybe... I'm not good enough. Listen to this promise. If our hearts condemn us, we know 
that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he's commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Invest and invite. God has been investing in us since the beginning of time and inviting us into a relationship with him. He's not the barefoot investor. (laughs) Like Michael. He's not the safe investor, but more of a reckless investor. Kind of a horrible investor by the world's standards because he invests in broken things. We are always looking to be perfect. We are always looking for the perfect timing, the perfect job, the perfect partner. But Jesus doesn't do that because the highest return on investment comes from the thing that's been most broken. The highest return on investment comes from the thing that's been devalued the most. If we could just increase the value of that, then look at the return we would receive. And so if you think that you were too broken, too flawed, not valuable enough, let me tell you that God wants you to wipe that away because he's standing in heaven telling us, no, you're my highest return on investment. You're my greatest prize. And I picture him as we choose to believe in him going, come on, boys, look at this one I found on the stock market. They thought they were broken. No one else saw them. Everyone just saw them for the broken parts, the flawed parts, the things that are wrong about them. But I saw them for what they could be with me in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So how would that make you change your investment strategy? How would that make you change your investment strategy? Are you ready to invest in the broken? Knowing you might not get a return? Knowing you might get hurt or burnt? But that your investment isn't based on what you can get and your influence, but on souls into heaven for our Father. How would that change your investment strategy? I'd love you to think about that this week and choose someone that you could invest in. Not for what you can get out, but what the Father can get. Invest and invite. The last one, invite. God invites us into relationship with him. As the band come up, I'm going to close. God has always been inviting us into perfect love with him. I feel like a broken record when I say this this year, but who needs hope, church? The lost and the broken. Who's lost and broken? We all are. So can I invite you to invite someone to church? Why? Because they might just meet Jesus, the hope of the world. Ephesians 2 in the Message Bible says, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. The weight's off. We simply need to invest and invite. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you this. You can practice this stuff also. You can invest in the people around you. You can invite them into relationship. You can choose to see the broken, not by their circumstances, 
not by their behavior or the way that they look, but by unique, as unique creations. And you can't lose. You could use all of these principles and you won't have really lost anything, but you may have missed something. Because I believe that as humans, on the inside of all of us, we are aching for purpose, meaning, and love. And so as you bow your heads, the only thing I can really do in this moment is extend an invitation to you with what I believe is the answer to those three things. His name is Jesus, and in him we can find true purpose, real meaning, and perfect love. So if you'd like to make that decision this morning, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand quickly just so I can identify with you. And we're going to pray a short prayer together and it will be the beginning of the journey of Christ in you. Maybe as I was going through that plain story that maybe that answered a few questions for you. Maybe it didn't. I'd love to chat with you more after the service. But if you have that feeling on the inside of you that maybe there's something about this, that God's calling me to this, I'd love you just to raise your hand right now and lead you in the prayer to invite Jesus into your life. Is there anyone out there? Awesome. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you made a way for us to be in perfect relationship with you. And Lord, I thank you that it is not based on what we do or what we have done or what we will do in the future, but it is based solely on our faith and our belief that you are our Savior. And so this morning, collectively, we acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. that you would continue to grow on the inside of me and that I would continue to grow to be a Jesus follower. Lord, I thank you for this church, a church full of hope traffickers. Lord, I pray that they would be motivated this week to invest in others and to invite them into our church, Lord, so that we as a community could be your local church, your local church that brings hope, that can heal the broken Lord in your name. Lord, I pray that your glory would be revealed. Your name would be lifted on high. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing a final song. Open your heart up in this moment. Ask God what you want, what He wants to say to you. And acknowledge His reckless, reckless love towards all of us.